Amen. Thank you, Brother Charlie and Sister Anna. We are in still 2 Timothy chapter 1, lesson 8, going through the series. 2 Timothy chapter 1. And who has saved us and called us with an holy calling, uh, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began, but is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death and hath brought life and immortality to light uh, through the gospel, uh, whereunto I am appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher uh, of the Gentiles. For the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and am persuaded that he is able to keep that uh, which I have committed unto him against uh, that day. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word tonight. And, and uh, Lord, I am thankful for all you have prepared for us in Christ Jesus. And I'm thankful for each one here. I'm thankful for those that are here with us online. And, and dear God, I need the filling of your spirit, Father, to minister your word. Please help me in uh, ministering the word tonight. And, and Father, uh, bless in that. And, and, and Lord, I just pray that uh, you would help us to learn your word, to understand, to, uh, to be edified in it, dear God. And, and uh, we're thankful that our, our uh, petitions are before you. And we know that you will answer them according to your will. And, uh, and so, uh, so we're most blessed for that. And, and Father, we help us just to be careful to thank you and praise you in all things. And we do ask these things in Jesus' name for his glory. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. All right. Let's see where we're at tonight. We're talking about God's faithfulness. <clears throat> And we looked at the planning of salvation, the providing of salvation. I'm trying to forget where we're at here tonight. <clears throat> Let's see. Finishing up point uh, number one. Let's see how far that goes. Whoops, wrong one. Yeah, we'll, we'll be getting there. All right, we're talking about Paul's uh, faithfulness. <clears throat> And uh, we looked at uh, verse 10, I think it was, or verse 9, about our Lord who hath saved us and called us with an holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. And we saw how that, uh, uh, how that the book interpreted that to say that that God's purpose was to save us, uh, to save lost people before the world began. And, uh, and then uh, the question in the book uh, was, uh, does somebody have a, the book open want to read that question for me about, uh, we talked about that last week. You have it there, Brother Charlie? Which one? Uh, the one about uh, how's, how do you, how does it, what does it mean to you that God has saved you before the foundation of the world? You want to read that for me, please? I didn't bring a book up with me. How does God's choosing you for salvation before even time began 
help you to what? Recognize your need to be faithful, something like that. Yeah. See your need to be faithful. So they said so they took that and made it a Calvinistic, uh, uh, fit the Calvinistic uh, plan there. And uh, it's simply talking about what God has prepared for us all, anyone who would be saved. He, he prepared all things in Christ. He prepared salvation. Uh, he, there's, no, uh, there's, no, there's no indication in the passage there that he determined which ones to save. Uh, there's nothing like that is, is in the passage there. We would find it akin, uh, what he's saying here, to um, Ephesians chapter 3. If you want to turn there for just a second. Ephesians chapter 3. And... Uh, Uh, Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 10, to the intent that now unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God. When we studied in Zechariah recently, uh, we saw that Zechariah was, that God was telling Zechariah that, that, uh, that Joshua, uh, the high priest, and uh, Zerubbabel were, and his helpers were men to be wondered at. And uh, because of what God is doing. Uh, and so we talked about that on our study on Sunday night, if you might remember that. And, uh, and so uh, we talked about how that who is wondering at, at those men. And actually, remember when we studied in Zechariah, in Zechariah 3, there was a meeting with God there. And who was at that meeting? Satan was, wasn't he? And, when he, and he saw that vision. And so, uh, and so we talked about the men, who is, the men wondered at, who is wondering at them. The angels are wondering at what God is doing. And so if we look at verse 10, to the intent now, under their principalities and powers, in heavenly places, might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God. The principalities and powers, the angels and the angelic realm, uh, learn about the church from the church. Uh, they're, they're, they are learning from us. As we preach and teach the Word of God, as we live it out, they are learning what salvation is all about. We, talked, we looked at Peter, where, he's, where Peter says, the angels desire to look into these things. And so, that, that, so, so that they're in wonder of what God's doing in, in you and I, uh, in, in Christ. So that's what verse 10 is talking about. And then he says, says, verse 11, here it is, according to his eternal purpose, which he purposed in Christ our Lord. You see that? It's his eternal purpose. It's the things that he purposed in Christ, yes, before the foundation of the world. One of those things was he purposed that the angelic beings uh, would learn from the church about what he was doing. Uh, he purposed that. He, he purposed that. He talks about his, his purpose and grace there in First in Timothy, that passage we read there. He purposed that all those in Christ, what, would be saved by grace uh, through faith. Uh, these are all things that he purposed before the world began, uh, and, uh, and, 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 and that's, that's what it is saying there. And so there's no indication that anyone is chosen to be saved above another in, uh, found in that passage there. All right. We have many purposes, by the way, that are given to us in Christ. Uh, in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1, Be therefore followers of God as dear children. Uh, what the Bible is saying there is, We are so dear to God, and it's obvious by the price that He, that he spent for us, that we ought to recognize how dear we are. And because we are loved so much, we ought to act like it. We ought to behave like it. We ought to be thankful. Uh, every, every child of God is a dear child. 
He doesn't love any one child of God more than another. By the way, he doesn't love you more or less. He doesn't love you less when you're disobedient and more when you're obedient, okay? His love to you is full, uh, full and unchanging in Christ. And uh, just like if you're a good parent, you don't love the dis- you don't hate the dis- you don't have a lack of love to the disobedient child any more than you have the same love for, for the, whether they obey or, or or disobey. But just like God, we're just what we're just grieved when when our children disobey, Amen. And we and we rejoice when our when, when our children uh, obey. But uh, but we love them the same either way. And uh, so so it is as God with us. Uh, Ephesians, uh, Ephesians 3.21, unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus. There's, there's another aspect of it. Where's, glory, uh, where's the world to seek God's glory from right now? Through the church, glorifying God. The angels are learning. Uh, people see the light of Christ through you and I. To him be glory in the church. Ephesians 3.21, uh, by Christ Jesus, through all ages, world without end. And by the way, when do you suppose he purposed to do that? Before the foundation of the world. Uh, 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 in Matthew 5, 13, You're the salt of the earth. Where the salt has lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? We are the salt of the earth. Uh, and uh, uh, in Matthew uh, 5, 14, We are the light of the world. When do you suppose he purposed that? Was to that in Christ. Before the foundation of the world, you see. All these purposes are planned for us. It all unfolds for you. It all applies to you. The moment you you get in Christ, and how do you get in Christ? We're clearly told that in the Bible uh, that we that we are saved by grace through faith. Uh, Ephesians one thirteen says, "In whom after that ye trusted, ye was sealed with that Holy Spirit of God, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the purchased possession of the praise of His glory." That's how you get in Christ. You put your faith in Jesus Christ, and uh, after that ye believe. The Bible says so. We have faith coming first. Then we have the sealing of the Holy Spirit uh, uh, coming second, not reversed, as, as, the, as the Calvinist paradigm is there. All right, so uh, Christ came to do these things for us. Uh, and so we see that he came, what? The, the book talks about he came to abolish death. We think about that, 1 Timothy 1.10. But it's now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death and hath brought, brought life and immortality to light, through the gospel. Let me see if I'm in the right place here. Yeah, I think I am. I'm just finishing up point one. Yeah. And uh, abolish death. So obviously he did not uh, extinguish death. Obviously death is not, in a sense, annihilated. We're, we're not looking around and saying, well, we don't die. We, we never die anymore. Well, I mean, uh, he, he abolished death. What is he saying there when it says who has abolished death? Uh, He's made uh, these things that were hidden, these things that we didn't know, they're now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Now we're learning about those things that he purposed. The the Old Testament, they didn't know that. Now we're learning about all the promises revealed in God's Word. Uh, And so we're learning these things. They're made clear clear to us now. Uh, And he abolished death. And it's the same word that we find in Romans chapter 6 and verse 6. The same uh, Greek words used there. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. And the word is katargeo, and it means, in this sense, to deprive of force. Uh, 
And what, what it's saying is this. Uh, when you, uh, before you and I were saved, uh, we had no choice. All we could do was sin. Uh, and uh, uh, and uh, we, we, we could not uh, uh, break sin's power. Uh, but once we are saved, sin's power is broken. Sin's penalty is taken away the moment you get saved in the Lord Jesus Christ. And sin's power is broken, what? As we yield to him, because he has purchased that for us. As we claim his promises, as we look to his word, he will deliver us from sin. Sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are under the law, but under grace, Romans tells us. Sin is not, cannot be your ruler. The only time that we exercise sin uh, in our lives is when we, give, is when, is when we allow it. And, and, we, and we give the sin that we yield and give sin the democratic vote. You know? and I'll, let you, I'll, let, I'll let you take over here. That's what happens to the believer. The believer can never say the devil made me do it, okay? Uh, the believer can't even say his sin nature made him do it, okay? Uh, it's, it's something that we do sometimes foolishly, ignorantly, maybe, maybe, maybe just maybe rebelliously. There's different reasons that we do that, but, but we're never made to sin by, by anything once we're born again. Uh, the Lord has freed us from that, that those chains have been broken. Uh, uh, so we see that. Uh, it's, uh, it is, uh, it is, its power is broken. It cannot force us to do things. Uh, and by the way, Satan has been rendered that way for us as well. In Hebrews 2.14, uh, the writer of Hebrews writes, For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he, Jesus Christ, also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil. The devil's power is rendered inoperable for you and I. He cannot just have power over us. Do you remember him coming to, coming to the Lord to beg Job? And uh, uh, we saw in the study in Zechariah the other night, he came to the Lord about Zechariah too, but he came too late because they'd already repented. Joshua and Jubabel had already repented, and so, so he, he was too late for that meeting. Um, in uh, the power of sin uh, is is inoperable. Uh, the devil doesn't have power doesn't have power over us, uh, and uh, and and he he talks about that death also has been, uh, or we see that that death we've been delivered from the power of death when he talks about uh, death being uh, 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 destroyed and and such. Uh, what, what was the exact words he used? Oh, here it is. Uh, death was abolished. Abolished. And uh, same word again in the, in the, in the, in the Greek uh, in uh, 1 Thessalonians 4.13. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. Uh, so what a, what a blessing uh, that is. Death is rendered... Uh, uh, is, 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 has lost its power so that now the believer can look at it as what? Merely sleeping. How many of you are afraid to go sleep at night? You know, many of us, they say, well, I can't wait to go to sleep at night, you know? And, uh, and uh, we know what, what death is to the believer. It's like going to sleep and then you have the greatest dream that you ever had. And then you wake up and you realize you're not dreaming. <laughs> uh, that it's not a dream. After all, you are, you are in experiencing uh, the greatest joy uh, that to this point you ever had. That's how death has been rendered. 
uh, uh, to the believer. Uh, it, so it's called just sleep when we disappear from this earth. And, uh, but not, not only that, death is so changed that it is referred to as great gain. Uh, in, in, uh, Paul referred to it. He, said, he wrote in uh, Philippians 1.22, he says, But if I live in the flesh, he says, I could die, I could live. He says, But if I live in the flesh... This is the fruit of my labor. This is what keeps happening to me. I keep getting thrown in prison. I keep getting beaten up and uh, all these things. This is the fruit of my labor. But yet what I choose, I shall want not. I'm having a hard time choosing. There is, yeah, it's rough here, but there's a lot of benefits. People are getting saved. There's a lot of rejoicing. I know God's being glorified. Uh, but I know to be, but, but what, to go with God? He'd seen the risen Lord. He knew what was coming, his, in a sense, what was coming his way through that resurrection. And so he writes, uh, I'm astray between two, having desire to depart and to be with Christ, here it is, which is far better. Far better, he says. Uh, far better. And we have to remember that when the Apostle Paul wrote this, he's in, his, in imprisonment the second time, and he knows he's going to die. And that's how he looks at it. Well, I, I, when he's writing this, I have to back up there. He was actually in his first, in first prism there, and that, that doesn't uh, apply here because he had some time off in between. But so he says, having a desire to part, which being Christ, which is far better. Uh, and so uh, we see that. But when he writes here that death has been abolished, he's in this second imprisonment. And he, and he, and he recognizes those, the, the, those same things with, with impending death. Uh, upon him. Uh, and so uh, question six asks in your book, how does this verse relate to the faithfulness of God and his word? <clears throat> and they give you, actually they give you Malachi 3, 6 there. For I am the Lord, I change not. Therefore you sons of Jacob are not consumed. Anybody want to share what you have with that? How does that uh, relate to the faithfulness of God's word? Well, if he, if he, if he changed what? <laughs> he might change his word, you know. And uh, by the way, if God changed, what would happen? It would not be good because God is perfect. Amen. Any change would be a negative change, okay? Uh, he, he is perfect in all, in all aspects, in every realm. And so any change would not be a good change. Uh, that's why he cannot change. Uh, and uh, uh, Jesus said in uh, Matthew 5, 18, Verily I send to you till heaven and earth pass to path one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. It's a faithful word. And, uh, and by the way, all, every jot, every tittle of the law was fulfilled by the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And that's why that covenant could be set aside. Uh, God was never happy, uh, was never satisfied with a sacrificed lamb or a sacrificed bullock or a sacrificed whatever. None of those ever took away a single sin. The law demanded, demanded a perfect man or death. And Jesus Christ became and provided what? The perfect man. He kept every, every bit of the law. He says, sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, but a body hast thou prepared me. I can't do away with the law until a man lives it all and keeps the covenant. Jesus came here and did that for you and I. Aren't you glad about that? Amen. Kept the covenant, that covenant, passed it away and gave us a new one. One where he said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and, and thou shalt be saved. You just believe in me, Jesus said, and I'll take you the rest of the way. Amen. 
Uh, thank God he gave us one we could handle, amen. He does the changing from the inside out. And uh, salvation is by grace through faith, not of, uh, uh, not of your, that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, as any man should boast. The whole thing is a gift, and it's not by works, so we won't have anything to uh, boast about. Uh, so praise God for that. <clears throat> Psalm 12, 6. The words of the Lord are pure words, as silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord, thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. God's words have been preserved uh, down through the ages. And we, have, we believe we have them preserved right here uh, for the English-speaking people right here in our King James Bible. God preserved them for us here. Uh, down the line. Uh, Verse 7 says, How does this truth about God relate to his faithfulness? Well, his his characters and attributes never change. He's always going to be faithful. By the way, his word's faithful. It's not going to pass away. Uh, You know, I think about that when I read that all the time. I'm reading God's Bible, and I look out, and I look at those trees in in the yard there, and I think, that's all going to pass away. Those things are less real than this. (laughs) And, uh, uh, boy, we we would need to remember that. All right. And then Paul's faithfulness, finally. Now you know where we're at. (laughs) And uh, we look at Paul's uh, commission tonight. Well, Paul's faithfulness. He says in verse, writes in verse 11, I'm appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher of the Gentiles. For the which cause I also suffer these things. What? All of his sufferings, even his, his encouragement current imprisonment where he's going to be executed which cause i also suffer these things nevertheless i'm not ashamed for i know whom i have believed and they're persuaded that he is able to keep that which i have committed unto him against that day we sing say we have a song about that we sing and a beautiful song and uh and we do praise god for that uh so uh paul had commanded that stewards of the lord must be faithful and paul himself labored faithfully in the Lord as a good steward of the Lord. In, uh, uh, in, uh, in 1 Corinthians 4.2, he'd written to the church there, Moreover, uh, very important, uh, uh, Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. You know what? God wants you and I to be faithful in whatever callings he's given us. We are to seek him, you know, to love him. Uh, you know, God... God doesn't require perfection to be pleased with us. God wants our heart. I mean, you look at David's life. How many people in the Bible were called a man after God's own heart? I only know of one. <laughs> uh, how many people made worse mistakes than David? I don't know too many, okay? Uh, no, no, what? David made mistakes, but he got them right, amen? David uh, learned, learned repentance, and uh, turning back, we don't see him doubling up. On the, he goes on from there and, uh, and, uh, and, uh, and draws closer and closer to God. And that's what God is looking for in you and I, that we are growing more in the likeness of him, uh, that we're changed into the same image from glory to glory. Amen, the scripture says, as we dig into it and yield to it, uh, required of stewards of man be found faithful. Look at his commission, he's faithful in that. He says, uh, I'm appointed... Uh, a, a preacher. What did Paul do? He was appointed to preach the gospel. Uh, uh, in Galatians 1.8, Paul uh, warned the church there. They were starting to 
uh, think, listen to some of those Judaizers thinking that maybe they needed to be become uh, uh, Jews also if they wanted to stay saved, or or at least to be more holy, they needed to you know, get into Judaism. You know, that, that's the two things that they were trying to say in Galatians there and throughout the New Testament scriptures. But Paul writes, but though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. In case you didn't hear me, he writes it again. Uh, as we said before, so say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than that ye have received, let him be accursed. Paul says, we laid it down the line just like it is. And if I come back and preach something different, I, then let me be accursed. That's what he's saying. Because what we laid down is the, is the inspired word of God. And, uh, and, uh, and, so, uh, and, when, and he taught them that you're not made perfect by the law. He said, how did you get saved? Well, by grace through faith. He says, you grow the same way, by grace through faith. You don't grow by keeping a list, by keeping a list of rules, okay? You can, keep, you, can keep a, you can keep a whole list of rules and not love God that much, okay? Uh, God is looking for true holiness. True holiness is produced by the Holy Spirit as we love God and others. By the way, that's the only kind of holiness that God rewards. Uh, if it, it's interesting that God does it through us, and then at, his, at the judgment seat of Christ, he rewards us for it, okay? Uh, you talk about a gracious God. Uh, and uh, so he preached the gospel. What is the gospel? We find it very concisely in 1 Corinthians 15, 1. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel, here it is, which I preached unto you, which also you have received. So what do you have to do? The gospel has to be preached. People have to receive it. Uh, and wherein you stand, once you receive it, you can stand in it. By which also you're saved. Once you receive it, you, you, can, you can stand in it because you're saved. Uh, if you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you uh, change the message, because only the message that Paul preached, only by receiving that uh, can, you, uh, can, you, can you be saved. If you remember what I preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. How'd they get in? They believed. See, they, they received it. how they receive it? They believed it. That's how you receive it. Uh, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. As many as received him, to them gave you power to become, become the sons of God, to them that believe on his name. So believe and receive is, 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 is synonymous there. And, uh, and, and, then, and then you stand in that same grace. You got saved by grace through faith? How? You grow by grace through faith. You grow by grace through faith. And that doesn't change. Uh, that's uh, uh, Paul's preaching there. He says, he's a, he was, I'm appointed a preacher. And he says, and an apostle. An apostle. Uh, Paul bear, well, an apostle is, an, is a sent one. And uh, Paul bears witness to the fact that he had seen the risen Lord and that the Lord himself had commissioned him to preach. As, as an apostle, he also founded churches upon their common faith in Jesus Christ alone as their Savior and Lord. An apostle, we'll talk some more about that in a minute. And he also what, as a teacher in his calling. Paul instructed believers how to surrender their lives to Jesus Christ so that they also could become faithful witnesses of Jesus and ambassadors for him in the furtherance of the gospel. Let me see. I don't break that down. Okay. <clears throat> Teacher. Uh, and your question eight, or question nine asked, uh, 
who ultimately appointed Paul to the ministries uh, listed in the verse? And of course, the answer is the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the one that appointed them. Uh, you want to note a couple passages, uh, uh, passages for that. Acts 9.15, uh, that's when uh, the Lord, Paul's talking about the Lord, seeing him on the Damascus, where the Lord said unto him, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles. Uh, God is telling Ananias, he's hesitant about going uh, to see Paul, he's heard about him, and God says what? Go thy way, uh, in Acts uh, 9.15, he is a chosen vessel unto me. That, that, that's the words out, out of God's mouth, so to speak. Uh, he's being sent. Uh, the apostle Paul wrote himself in 1 Timothy 1.1, 1, 1, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the commandment of God our Savior. He received that command directly from God to be an apostle uh, of the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus Christ, what, taught him three years by revelation. Uh, and in between Damascus and, and, and Arabia, uh, somewhere in between there, and uh, we're not sure how all the time was divided up there, uh, but there was three years involved there where the Lord taught him personally. And uh, so it's the Lord that called him. Uh, question 10 in your book asks, what are, some, what are the possible dangers in serving as if a person or group of people ultimately appointed you to ministry? Anybody want to share what you, what you have for that? Brother Charlie? Yeah, right. Whatever decisions made might not be in Christ. Well, if just people appointed you, you may, you may not have actually been appointed, okay? Brother Travis? Men are fallible, absolutely right, absolutely right. Uh, we should uh, know going into ministry uh, that, God has, that God has appointed us. I remember at my ordination service, they, I, I, I shared with them I was, felt led to go and, and, and plant a church. And, uh, and they were talking about the calling, I'm called to preach. And, and so when the ordination council got done, they said, and what, what will you do, what will you do if we don't approve you? And I said, I guess, I guess we'll go start a church somewhere. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I, I grant it, you know, I certainly want to want to stay with the local church, you know. But if if, if God calls me to to you know to uh, uh, to do that, you know, and we we don't even have to really think about that because when the Holy Spirit's working, we're in the right church. You have that unity of mind, Amen. Uh, what they said was not going to happen because they had you know they'd seen that, and so the Holy Spirit works that out. That's just like those being sent out from Acts. There's the agreement there uh, in, the, in, in the working of the Spirit and all that. Uh, and uh, Paul wrote in Galatians 1.10, For do I now persuade men or God, or do I seek to please men? For if I yet pleased men, I should not be the servant of Christ. Um, you see, if, if we're laboring to please men, then we're liable to adjust our ministry to please men, see? And then we're going to lose the boldness of preaching the word. Amen. And by the way, we're not going to be a pleaser of Christ. What did Jesus say? Uh, you cannot serve God and mammon. <laughs> we're either going to be living to please Christ or we're living to please someone or something else. And Jesus says you have to pick, you have to pick one. And uh, because when, once you pick one, you'll, you'll either hate or take lightly the other. <laughs> And so that's the choice we have to make as believers. We want to live to please God. Uh, he talked about being apostle. Uh, uh, and uh, 
some churches today profess to have apostles. And uh, I will say this, that the Bible uses sometimes the term apostle in a generic sense. Uh, sometimes you have some of those that are, that are going along with Paul uh, referred to as, as the apostles, as an apostle, use, use in a generic sense, a sent one. You'll find that, not, not often, but most of the time when churches use an apostle, the word apostle today, they're trying to intimate that they have some kind of special ex- spiritual exhortation over the church. They're trying to intimate that they're something like the apostle of Christ. And uh, that is not the case. Uh, there are no apostles. There's no, one, uh, there's no one appointed an apostle or called to be an apostle in the church today uh, that, that, that has any authority uh, over other people in the local church, okay? Because that, uh, that office is not in the local church today, all right? Uh, if you want to generically use the term, you know, uh, uh, you know, like I guess like the apostles did sometimes, uh, you know, I guess that's up to you. But it all, uh, but all it means is, you know, you're sent. You know, if 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 I if I if I sent if I sent uh, uh, Brother Charlie back there to give me a glass of water, he was my apostle for a moment. He went back and got me a glass of water. That's all it means uh, in in the in the yeah in the in the generic term, okay. And and most of the time they, they're not using it that way. Uh, there are no more apostles of Christ. Uh, they are a part of the foundation of the church. Uh, we, we know that. Uh, in Ephesians 2, 19 through 22, Now therefore you are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom all the building fitly framed together, groweth unto an holy temple in the Lord. And you may also are built together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. You see, apostles are part of the foundation. I remember I helped my dad growing up, and he had a backhoe and bulldozer, and sometimes we would uh, do some cement block work, and we would build a garage, or, and we would dig the foundations of those things and you know, fill those concrete block holes with... You know, you stuff it with cans and all that and then fill it up with, with concrete. You, you get the foundation, sure, and then you build upon it. You, 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 you got to have your, your corner right, your cornerstones, so to speak. You got you to get one corner square and you get, the, you get that square and line that up and the rest of the building goes up. But you know what? But you know what you never do? You don't, you don't, you're not, you're not going to, you're not going to find a foundation like your book says on the 21st floor of a building. You know why? Because it's 21 stories below, okay? Once you build a foundation, it's done. Matter of fact, you can't even start building the building, what? Until the foundation is done. When the foundation is finished, then you can build upon it. And you won't find a foundation, uh, you know, uh, above floor number one, okay? Once the foundation is done, it's done. And the, fa- and the apostles were part of the foundation of the church. And, but guess what? Christ is building the church now. Paul, just, we just read that in Ephesians. We are the building. There, are, there is no more foundation. It's done. And so there, are no apostles. there will be no more apostles, just like there will be no more cornerstone. There's only one, Jesus Christ. There will be no more apostles of Jesus Christ. They're only the ones that he appointed, uh, appointed by him. And by the way, they had, they had what? They had, uh, they had uh, seen the risen Lord. 1 Corinthians 9.1, Paul writes, uh, 
Am I not an apostle? Am I not free? Have I not seen Jesus Christ our Lord? The next time you uh, talk to somebody going to church that has apostles, you, you ask them if, if their apostles had seen the Lord, okay? And, uh, and by the way, if he had sent them personally, okay, uh, uh, and then they would qualify for an apostle. There aren't any. The foundation's done, it's finished, and now we are part of the building. We are stones being put together in the building. And that's what God has for believers today. Uh, <clears throat> and then there's opposition in Paul's calling. Point B, for which cause I also suffer these things. Paul was uh, suffering all these persecutions, including this final imprisonment, which would culminate in his execution. And because he was a faithful preacher, apostle, and teacher, as God had called him to be, he was suffering all he suffered only because he was obedient to God and he loved God and he loved people. That, that's why he suffered all that he suffered. He would not step back and shy from the sufferings that would come his way for being faithful. That's, what he, that's why he, he exhorted Timothy. Uh, to, he wants Timothy to, fall, to follow in his steps. He wants him to be a faithful minister of the word of God. And so he wrote to Timothy, we saw earlier in 2 Timothy 1.8, Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. Go and teach and preach all that Jesus is, all that he's done, all that he commands. All, all the, what was every command? Uh, teach and preach what he says is evil is evil, and what he says is good, good is good. Go and preach it all, Timothy. Be not ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me as prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. Timothy, now of course in that, in that atmosphere, you're not going to be faithful without afflictions. And so Paul says, be a partaker. They're going to come. They're going to come. And uh, don't you be ashamed. Don't you be fearful. Don't you shy away. He says, you, you, you let them come. Because, by the way, when they come, they come for the name of Jesus if we're being faithful. And it is Jesus Christ who will strengthen us when, when that trial comes. Uh, <clears throat> merely being faithful to God and his call to preach the gospel in all the world, you will suffer perse- persecution. Second Timothy 3.12 Yea, all that will live godly in Christ Jesus, what? Shall suffer persecution. Ours, of course, is very minimal here in the United States. That's because of God's good hand upon us. That's because this nation was founded on Judeo, has a Judeo-Christian heritage. It was founded on the commands of God. If you don't believe that, just start reading the writings that are inscribed in the buildings in Washington, okay? Uh, they, got, they, they have more scriptures in Washington than they do, than they do in some churches these days, okay? Inscri- inscribed on the buildings, all right? And... Uh, and our, our nation was founded on that. And by the way, that's part of why we're struggling so much now. We've gotten away from that. To whom much is given, much will be required. And, uh, and we are seeing, uh, the Bible talked about those who would depart from him uh, that, that, uh, in his people, that he, that he would send the worst of the heathen among them. And we certainly have seen that with serial killers and all, and all these things that go around. In what other nations... What other nations around our world do you hear about all the shootings in the, in the schools, in the education systems? 
Where else do you hear that? It's pretty much here, isn't it? It's pretty much here. And, uh, and so we ought to wake up and, and realize, wow, God's given us much. He's requiring us much, as, much of us as well. And so what we can do is, is, is be faithful, amen? And uh, if there's a revival in our hearts, there'll be a revival uh, in the family. If there's a revival in the family, there'll be a revival in the church. If there's a revival in the church, there'll be revival in the city, and then and then the county, and then you know, and then the county, and then the state, and then the Lord willing, hopefully the country. Amen. And uh, we just have to be, be be praying about that and just do the part part that we can do, and uh, and and being faithful in that. We'll stop there for night for time and. And uh, we'll continue on with uh, point two uh, next Wednesday night. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your blessings and goodness. And, and God, I thank you for all that you have prepared for us in Christ. And, and Father, we have, we have the, the lives to read about here in, in your book. People that we're going to, re- to meet one day, we're going to talk to them. Uh, Father, we're going to... Uh, we're going to we're going to we're going to we're going to uh, rejoice and worship together with them God and and all the time we're going to have discussing all that you've done through history through them uh, what maybe certain things uh, meant and and uh, maybe finding out some things that happened that we didn't know about uh, God we, we can only imagine what that time is going to be like and I thank you and praise you but Lord uh, uh, most of all uh, Lord, we're thankful for your love to us in Christ and that because you loved us so much and, and you wanted us to be your children, it uh, wasn't the angels that you were seeking in that respect. It was us, and that's why you put on a body, uh, that we would know that you do, can and do understand us. You are not aloof because you simply created us. You also became one of us. And so, Father, we thank you for endeavoring to care and love for us so much. And we know that you did that so that you could die and so that you could destroy death and so that we could look forward, dear God, to life everlasting. I thank you and I praise you. I thank you for this church. And, and God, the remainder of this week now, I pray that we would get up in the morning if you give us, give us the morning, that we would seek your grace, that we would desire... Uh, to be among those who, believers who would be departing from iniquity. We, we desire to those who would say, God, I don't want to sin today. And Father, uh, when that happens, and it, and it will at times, uh, God, that we would get those things right, uh, that we would confess them and, and, and then go on. And Father, uh, and, and just learn, like the Apostle Paul, the richness of a close walk with you and, uh, and the richness of serving you and of all you have prepared for us in Christ Jesus even before the world began. And so, Father, we pray and ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.